Um, tell me what you said about koalas earlier. <clears throat> so uh, koalas basically all have syphilis, almost all of them. Like the like ninety something percent of them have syphilis, and it's gotten to the point where they've sort of adapted to living with the symptoms of that. So, and different diseases express themselves in different species in different ways. So, um, the, it's not like the oh you're gonna like it's it's not like as um, like case closed you're gonna die unless you treat this sort of thing as ways. <laughs> with humans with um koalas it just makes them more lethargic and makes them only ever have diarrhea and so um it gets them in weird ways and makes them more aggressive so so they're all pretty aggressive all the time and they can only eat eucalyptus and but their bodies don't have the right gut bacteria to properly digest eucalyptus like without the right kind of bacteria um uh so they have to like basically feed some of their poop to their babies when they have babies so the babies can get the right kind of gut bacteria but that's weird and difficult for them because they only have they can't they can't just like do it like a weird little pellet like a rabbit would do they have weird horrible gross poops all of them all the time um and so because they're unsanitary (laughs) that's that's basically that's that's they just kind of have to get some diarrhea on their baby's faces for their babies to live and um because they don't get a lot of nutrients from the only food they can digest um they have to they don't have a lot of points to expend (laughs) in their in their in their survival so um the first thing to go is base is the, the energy going to their brain so they have a really 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 like tiny brain to body mass ratio like one of the smallest in the mammal kingdom um so they don't they can't like figure out their way around a lot of the problems that they have (laughs) so they're just kind of doomed (laughs) and they've been this way since before they were humans and but you have to be careful around koalas because they're they're oh and they have to sleep something like 22 hours a day and so they, they wake up for two hours to just stuff their face full of poison leaves that they can only digest because of the <laughs> shit on their kids, <laughs> shit on their kids, and they get into a fight, and that's that's all they do. And and a lot of their behavior and like health quirks are due to the fact that they just all all have a, 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 a sexually transmitted infection. All of them. It's just like a symbiotic thing with them, but like a malignant symbiotic relationship. And they've just all, they've just been that way for like millennia. Well, that's our show. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Monster Manual Podcast, Monster whatever we are. Uh, tiny bears that shit on their children. Good night. So I have to issue a slight correction here. Um, I said syphilis, but what I meant was chlamydia. Big difference. Big difference. I'm sorry to all of the koalas out there um, for, for, for telling your story wrong. actually doing today i think we're actually doing banshees <laughs> today <laughs> it feels lackluster now but i'm glad uh you told me that and i'm glad everyone knows and i share that with everybody anyways we're on the first 
of the B's. We finally cracked the A's. Done with those. On to the B's. The first one is the Banshee, which is a what? What did it? What does it say here? Well, um, it's it's a it's a it's an undead creature. Um, that uh, appear luminous as luminous wispy forms that vaguely recall their mortal features. So they, uh, yeah, uh, that's what they look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and their mortal features are always that of a female elf. Yeah, the lore in this is specifically about a female elf, mm-hmm. a beautiful female elf who failed to use their beauty to bring joy to the world. I think is almost <laughs> the words verbatim. Um, bring ba- joy yeah. to the world. Blessed with great beauty, fail to use their gift to bring joy to the world. It's literally joy right. to the world. Yeah. And instead, they used it to corrupt and control others. Yeah. And they, uh, after they've done this, or while they're doing this, they curse themselves. So it's a banshee curse that they bring mm-hmm. on themselves. And it it's unspecific, but it says it transforms them kind of over time. And when they finally die is when they turn into the banshee. So there are a few things here. This is like in the first paragraph. There are a few yeah. things here I want to talk about immediately. Um, bring bringing joy to the world with your beauty is sounds crazy. That's like a crazy moralistic um, kind of misogynistic yeah, idea. That's completely absurd. It's, it's like insane. <laughs> okay, so the because of like the dice roll on like your birth and your appearance and the culture surrounding your appearance, you have a responsibility. To make to serve everybody around you and make to them share happy your beauty, which is such a yeah. yeah, it's a it's an ambiguous action to share your beauty. I don't yeah. know what, what does that mean. That could be totally abused. Like what? What? Like there, there's some poor elf who's like, "Fuck off! I just want to uh, build model ships. She, just, Leave me alone." Just listening to her headphones on the <laughs> yeah. on the subway. I, I I I don't want to like go to your and stupid some, elf pageants. Yeah. <laughs> like you but then gets cursed because of that. Right. So that's that's the thing. Uh, it's like you you either have to treat this idea as a sort of a fable or like a moral fairy tale where mm-hmm. maybe the elves in your world are actually told this story as a form of boogeyman thing to not have their children spurn people because every elf is so beautiful right right so they yeah. must have like yeah. they have to set up as a culture like okay here's how we handle being so attractive to other people we have to like control this somehow or have like a a social uh, norm that we can follow and punish the bad way of doing things. So to tell their children that they will turn into a gross, ugly uh, ghost, screaming ghost, a shrill, <laughs> there'll be a shrill ghost woman forever. Um, I could see that being like a, ch- a children's tale, a, a story for to put elves to sleep. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, that's one way to do it. Or you could have it like, um, it's literally true, right? Which is the way it's kind of presented. But if it's literally true, then that is a crazy thing to have as part of your elf uh, culture in biology. If it's a function of biology that if they do this, uh, like morally judge, it's like a moral, um, it's like morals affecting biology, which is, uh, I think really cool and interesting for an elf because elves are supposed to be um, they're either part fae or they're descended from fae, right? The yeah, fairies. Yeah. 
So like uh, if they're from the f- the fairies who are sort of a mythical species anyways, who exist in the like uh, semi-material, semi-supernatural uh, world, that having the elves actually be affected in this way uh, is great. I love the idea of having elves. I think you should take it even farther yeah. where they can get sick if they if they do certain things. Or, right, or but like, it's all yeah. like it's all like sin based yeah. or or virtue based. Like you can transform into things and different physical things will happen to you based on your behavior in a very like black and white like don't eat too much food or you'll literally turn into a pig yeah Yeah. or turn into um like some weird some weird like feral elf monster with sharp teeth and some goblin-y kind of thing or whatever yeah Yeah. exactly i think that's sort of um tolkien thing i always hesitate when i'm talking about tolkien things so they don't actually know what i'm talking about but i think even when I feel like I know what I'm talking about, Tolkien, somebody <laughs> corrects me and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I knew that. I just forgot that particular detail. And so I'm not going to. Right. We have yeah. a, uh, I've only done corrections. We only done corrections like once or twice, I think. Yeah. Um, I'd love to do it more. We have an email account, monstermanualmash at gmail.com. Send all of your constructive corrections there, especially Tolkien. Tolkien, if you're listening, uh, get in touch. Elves, I think can be corrupted and turned into orcs depending on their malice or their greed or something if they mm-hmm. act on it which is uh i don't know how you want to like handle it if you have i've never really played as an elf but like if you think about that turning into something based on your sins is it like are you fucked if you feel like you want to uh not share your beauty or is it the action is it like um can you prevent turning into something by just having discipline yeah well it depends if you're the the because if you have like moral like moralizing things and moral quandaries have like physical like spin-off effects in your world if that's like a part of the fabric of reality at least for elves then it sort of depends is is like the 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 sort of like weird moral biological laws surrounding this are they like a um, consequentialist, like a utilitarian thing. Like it depends on what you've done and the act that you you did and the consequences of that action. And like if it wound up being good for everybody in the end, then it's not going to be bad. Or is it like a deontological thing, which is duty-based, where like your intent 100% matters and you have right. to think about like, well, what if everybody did this? Even though that it's fine that you do it now, if everybody did it, would it be terrible? And if the answer is yes, then it's wrong no matter what, right? Like like a, a deontological point of view would say it's always wrong to lie even when that lie protects other people mm-hmm. <laughs> so like I'm, I, I'm i'm hiding people who are innocent in my house and then the authorities come to arrest the innocent you can't lie in that situation because if you lied to a deontologist you'd be saying it's always permissible to lie so you're you're li- so uh, like it's 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 about like your intention mm-hmm. and your intention in that case would be to uh like uphold the categorical imperative this is straight from kant so and but yeah it depends if it's like act-based morality or like intention-based yeah morality. and this is something if this is a, tr- a real thing that is known in the world then i'm sure elves would have thought of this and have answers prepared yeah. for all like totally yeah <laughs> so it's like at some point like yeah you can lie to save people lie for the greater good but you might yeah. also turn into uh, like a bag or something. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. Maybe you could have it like, or if you want to take it a really weird direction, you could have it be like, um, uh, like wood elves are consequentialists and high elves are right, are, so, are virtue ethicists, and <laughs> so it affects them. Maybe yeah, maybe they are that way because it like their their magical biology actually is different. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, that'd be interesting. Doing different species of elves according to different philosophers have have a race of elves like like this takes a lot of reading on your part but yeah you use uh, a certain philosophy to inform the basis of an entire species of elf in your game yeah so that's paragraph one (laughs) (laughs) uh paragraph two says something about them being sorrow bound they're bound to sorrow which means they can't leave a five-mile radius originating at the place of their demise, Um, which is a kind of standard ghost thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like in Beetlejuice. I don't remember Beetlejuice. They try to leave the house in Beetlejuice, and then the inside world is still the regular house, but then the outside world is like Dune with sandworms. Okay, yeah, yeah. And you get eaten by the sandworms if you try to leave your house, and so it's, it's like... That, that that's what forces you to stay inside the house because your house becomes a pocket dimension that you have to stay in and haunt after okay. you die. Oh, okay. So for, I see. So for ghosts yeah, um, to leave the space that they haunt is to like walk around in a horrible yeah. desert. That's with... like one way to, to do it. Right? I see. Okay. That's the way it was in Beetlejuice that's where cool. it, it yeah. changes the world outside of a certain radius. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they exist on a, place well most ghosts really in dungeon dragons follow this rule where they kind of exist in the ethereal plane and they they overlap yeah Yeah. they over they exist in an overlap place and they can kind of shift between those a little bit but um maybe you know if you go far enough in one direction into the ethereal plane you can't really be in the physical plane also and then there's i don't know shadow dragons and other bad things that are in the ethereal plane right that's the shadow fell we're getting that's okay (laughs) boy yeah but you could have it be that way, or you could have it just be like a invisible wall. I like I like the um, well, the Beetlejuice thing. Yeah. I like the Beetlejuice thing because you could that to me kind of uh, would be a place to send a whole party. If you have a total party kill, they come back as ghosts and they can leave, but they yeah. have to go into a really dangerous area. But it's like, what do they have to lose at yeah. this point? So they will. So it's a whole other adventure that can take place. Totally, but they can use well, the place that they died as their home base because it's safe Mm -hmm. but it's probably not that safe because it's where they died but now they're kind of like yeah you killed us but now we're like haunting you so you have like a home story yeah where they have to like i don't know pull pranks on the people that killed them or something (laughs) 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 or like somehow try to get back into the real world by doing i could see it being a lot of fun to be a ghost i think wasn't that uh renona winona riders yeah she was in that. That was thing. one. Yeah. Was she was trying to like get back to the realm of the living? I think. No, she was the human that knew there were ghosts. Right. Well, she her was her down parents were ghosts, right? Yeah. And they and were the, trying to figure out. No, her parents moved into the place. She didn't <laughs> like her parents because her parents were dorks. Right. Um, she didn't want to live there, I think. And then she made friends with the ghosts. And then Beetlejuice was like, hey, I'll get you out of this mess. But then he screwed everything up. And then the original owners of the house who became ghosts were like the sympathetic characters that. Okay. Like, it's been a long time. <laughs> We'll we'll yeah. we'll watch it after Tremors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So that's uh, they're bound to the territory. You can have the those reasons be a Beetlejuice reason or simply that they can't do it. Often ghosts ghosts don't know that they're ghosts or don't understand what's happening happening to them, which is why they're so terrifying yeah. and unreasonable. Um, Banshees uh, unclear. I think the Banshee in this in the Monster Manual is like sort of aware. But it doesn't care because it's no longer, it's no longer like the person it was. It's just like a yeah. hateful. 
Well, it says, as, as the curse takes its toll, uh, their minds and bodies decay until death completes their transformation into undead monsters. So, they're, right. so they're, they're not, their mind has decayed a yeah, bit. Yeah, they're not, they're not what they were before. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of them not being able to leave their area because then you get to have a special area, which is kind of a fun way to game um, having players try to prepare for going into an area, learn about it before they get there so they can prepare for what's going on. Um, they can try to like solve some of the mystery before they get there, and then they can encounter complications when they get there. But you don't know where the banshee is because it's like a five mile radius. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you don't know when it's going to happen. So there's lots of tension, and um, uh, having a known territory or range where it can feel dangerous at any moment is a pretty good beginning for a dungeon. Or I, when I say dungeon, it's kind of mean like a mythical place or like a place where you are uncertain and there's danger and uh yes they are also beauty hoarders they hoard beauty the vanity that inspired the banshee's curse persists in undeath they covet beautiful treasure they hate mirrors and it sends them into a rage so this is an extension of them withholding their beauty they keep it all for themselves but the practical effect of this little bit in particular is that you don't need a uh, sophisticated story reason to go near a banshee. You can just make them have treasure, and then that might be reason enough to go into their uh, range and try to get it. I don't really understand the mirror thing. I, I get it um, thematically that they would hate to see themselves because they're so vain. Um, right. But I don't know how do you how we how you would use that. Like, why would you want to enrage a banshee? Yeah, because you you really <laughs> you'd probably want to avoid that, right? Unless, yeah. yeah, what you could do is maybe sow a rumor somewhere that they will be defeated by a mirror, and then yeah. have them be enraged and make it right. funny, right? Yeah, um, yeah, and that also just uh, you can yeah, I don't know how you use that information as a party. Yeah, that's that's tricky, but you could certainly just have that take place you know that could be perhaps the 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 banshee's reason for coming after you in particular is because you have a mirror on you for some reason oh yeah yeah right well here's yeah there's a um the some of the banshee tales they are associated with objects and a a lot of the the stories are different i'm going to talk about uh there's one with a silver comb oh yeah let's stop here for a second yeah so i can let the dog out silver comb the silver comb uh one of the banshees there are many banshees that have names lots of stories one in particular there is a comb associated with the banshee that the banshee will only appear to you if you pick it up or touch it so um the reason i was talking about this was the mirror right right? yeah so that's why um maybe you mentioned sorry i'm just getting back from uh helping my dog pee outside and i'm trying to remember what's going on oh yeah they're because banshees don't like mirrors banshees don't like mirrors or they were you mentioned that they could go after someone that had a mirror yeah and that would actually be what attracts them yeah and the players may or may not know that or they would come to learn that so there is precedent for it in myth yeah where if you have a silver comb Mm -hmm. Um, and so so there could be a particular silver mirror or anything reflective sure, yeah. of, of a particular nature that could be like the beacon. Right. Yeah. Which is another standard, uh, kind of standard ghost thing, but um, I guess works more thematically with a, a Banshee's whole deal if it's a mirror. I think it's kind of funny how the manual, the, the Banshee in the manual blames the Banshee-fication on the individual. 
Yeah. Like the individual sins one way or another, as we, like we were kind of talking about, and then pays the price forever, uh, which is re- like really weird. Um, maybe not weird, but like, damn, <laughs> you better not uh, misstep as yeah. an elf. Because also, like, I wonder how like clearly codified the, <laughs> the terms of this are, because it says if you have like great physical beauty but if you if you use it to uh corrupt and control others so like what like how like what are the bounds what does that mean that? yeah yeah what does that mean exactly like how how witting or unwitting does that have to be for it to right count? is it does it is it purely malicious is it only malicious intent or is it like it sounds like a men's rights guy being like <laughs> Really like, I, like you should have had sex with me. You were withholding your your beauty, <laughs> and you're corrupting me by making me think you're so sexy. You have so much power over me, exactly. As the gatekeeper, I know. Blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's yeah, and it's it's all right there. It seems pretty like face like it's like that's exactly that's how I take it when I read it in this book, which is really mm. funny because yeah. I don't think they intended it that way yeah also like right off the maybe i don't know why i i just assumed like elves are gonna be better than people right right (laughs) so i'm not immediately thinking like oh yeah elven society is just gonna be like inherently like misogynistic and weird (laughs) like like, a messed up way institutionalized biologically sexist yeah yeah and misogynistic (laughs) yeah um and it's it's extra funny because most of the myths surrounding banshees or including banshees the banshees are victims of betrayal at the hands of men usually mm-hmm. or they are um spirits that announce uh death or predict death they're a sign of death coming they're not um bad people yeah they're or- they're 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 messengers they're, yeah, they're yeah. they are heralds yeah. of a sort, or um, some of them. Some of the uh, variations are reacting to like uh, a dead, having a dead child, having their child killed, or something like that, which is another a kind of like victimization. So most of the myths, the banshee is either a victim or a sort of neutral go between, um, like a psychopomp, like a. Uh, the, the the person I already said it three times, so it's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the the book has it. It's it's the it's your fault. It's the elf's fault, which is yeah. funny. But I guess again, this is a book of monsters that you are probably gonna hit with a sword somehow. So to make them irredeemable and no longer the thing they once were. So like, there's no chance of turning the banshee back into what it once was, according to the book. Right, yeah. But I think that might be an interesting way to take it, is to like give the banshee a second chance somehow. A lot of ghost stories involve settling the ghost's unfinished business. Yeah. So in this case, the banshee's unfinished business, fifth edition monster manual business, is to like fix how vain they were, maybe. Or just destroy them. <laughs> or just destroy them, yeah. There's also, um, if you if you go the, there are like heralds and messengers route instead mm-hmm. of like the actual, like necessarily they're, they're, they're spirits of like, spe- like specific particular individual deceased people that because of their individual actions like have this fate after death, after whatever curse takes place. If there are more, if you have them be these, these, these kind of like, I don't. I don't know if you say like anthropomorphic or whatever when it's with an when it's an elf. <laughs> it would be a sure. different word. But um, uh, elf elf in in form, um, uh, <laughs> sort of sort of like <laughs> uh, these 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 figures that aren't 
themselves like beings but they they are are like messengers for like another force and then the other force is the one um sort of saying like here's uh the the like here here he like somebody just died mm-hmm. and then that then the the the, the banshee ghost uh, spirits whatever you want to call it um it it it, it, it wails in announcing that something has happened whether it's uh, somebody's died it's been a tragic sort of thing or like some event of some mm-hmm. significance usually involving death has happened and i i think i remember some weird particulars in like I- irish folklore where uh it's like the banshee would look different or like be a little bit different depending on who died if it was like a young like if you're going by like the the, the the old like folk tales if it was like a young virgin woman who died the banshee would be beautiful right mm-hmm. but if it was somebody who uh, was 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 not that <laughs> the banshee right. would look different according to these old folk tales right yeah there are lots of uh all the accounts have a general uh appearance is about the same a a woman in like a flowing dress sort of thing white and wispy there's like the white woman is yeah. a, a a whole category of witnessed apparition, especially in England. The whole the term comes from England. Um, I, you're, I'm sure you're going to find lots of white women in England, but the I, it's like a uh, whole category, right? But each individual is different, and different accounts are different, and it might reflect, like you say, who died because the banshee is associated with mourning, and the wailing of a banshee is called a keening, which mm-hmm. is a specific term. Is, is the noise people make when they're wailing at a funeral, um, but it is like a certain, it's been kind of codified. It's a keening. It's not just any old morning. You can't yeah. just do whatever. It's a keening. It's a certain thing. You can actually go on YouTube right. and listen to people keening because it's an actual practice. There are professional mourners who will do this at your funeral, wow. especially in Ireland and in uh, Britannia. They will do this. There's a website, a very fancy website I went to where you can hire professional mourners in England. Um, and they have offices, which probably mean they have a guy that they know in most major cities that will like uh, put out a Craigslist ad and get people to do it. But yeah. they also have like people who you look on YouTube. There are people that like really do this all the time. It is also a tradition in um, a lot of uh, Southeast and Central Asian countries. Yeah professional mourners and there are like having the banshee appear differently depending on who died has a lot to say about um how a funeral is meant to reflect the the stature of the person who died so lots of mourners Mm -hmm. means very important person worthwhile person lots of wailing and keening means uh that they were uh important gets muddied when you hire people to do it but again it's like it doesn't it's funny because it doesn't matter that they were paid to do it it only matters that the sounds were made but it matters for the visual effect i guess of people just to even if they know that they were paid it's still like a physical overwhelming experience so that's why the keening the screaming of a banshee separates it from the other kinds of ghosts um have you ever heard of uh chinese funeral strippers no i i have not so this is another thing that yeah. can happen. I had a little thing here. The variance of professional mourning. Uh, the purpose of strippers, I think this was, yeah, Taiwan, Taiwan, sorry, not Chinese, or maybe kind of. I'll leave that to them to figure out. Uh, Taiwan, 
Custom has been to hire professional entertainers to perform at funerals, like, uh, which include professional mourners, and helps the family set the mood and helps boost the numbers when the family is kind of spread out over uh, great distances. And but the the stripper thing, people don't really know how it started. There's there's like the reasons kind of are like oh it has something to do with throwing uh, uh thwarting death by throwing sex and creation and vibrancy i was sort of the, like instead. maybe this is similar to their like the presence of flowers at a at a, at a funeral yes. right like yeah. to, to to sort of like as is a to, to like juxtaposed against the your reason for being there exactly sort of, yeah kind yeah. of like how a, a wake like a good Irish wake, everyone's getting roaring drunk yeah. and celebrating, right? So it's like a, an affirmation of life in the face of death, except it's just like nonstop strippers. Mm-hmm. And they ride in an electric flower car, which Whoa. is, that makes sense that you say flowers. Yeah. I didn't make that connection, but of course a flower car. Yeah. Of course it would be just like flowers, having uh, women stripping and dancing and pole dancing. And they're trying to, uh, they've tried many times to like, stop it from happening like yeah. authorities try to stop it out because apparently it only really happens in the uh, rural parts right of the country where people get away with more things and they aren't in the public there aren't in the international eyes so much but they every i think uh, recently i just read about this like a few months ago because they were trying to do another campaign of stopping it but they tried to stop it like eight years ago or something and they still can't i'd have a hard time <laughs> arguing against it really well, like i don't like i I'd, Rather not that you do that at my funeral. <laughs> Noted. That's that's, that's fine. Right. I always wondered. I wonder if this is. I would have looked this up if uh, if I had thought of this ahead of time. But I have wondered: is there anywhere in the world where it's common to do a funeral in the style of like <laughs> like a roast, where you just make jokes at the expense at the expense of the person? <laughs> of the oh person? man, yeah. There's got to be is yeah, and that, but then also each other. And then in, in, in the same way that like, oh, that seems like, why would you say such mean things about somebody that is important to you? But it's a weird sarcastic way of, 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 of expressing how much you like okay. somebody yeah. by like coming up with like a sick burn. I'll do that you know? for you if you want. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there, <laughs> I might have some like loved ones who will survive me that won't be. It's not about that. on the idea. I don't it's believe true. funerals are for the living. I yeah. believe they are for the uh, eternal soul of the dead person <laughs> to get <laughs> satisfaction <laughs> However they want. Yeah. So, I so will pr- rip prop me you. up on a dais and uh, <laughs> everybody sit around me and then we'll just get like comedians from TV. Yeah. To, uh, I will just, yeah, I'll, I'll rip in you in front of your, one or two your like washed up celebrities will show up and, and get made fun of more than me being roasted. Yeah. Make a list. Yeah. Make a list of who you want. I'll be in charge of this if you okay, want. Okay. Great. I would be honored. <clears throat> <laughs> Funeral roast. Make that a banshee. Make the banshee just uh, hover around, screaming insults at you. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's it. Would the thing is there's already a spell where you insult somebody magically and it hurts them. This is mockery. Dragons. Right. Yeah, which but is make great. It, make it like a spooky ghost telling yeah. you stuff. Oh, that. just a ghost that just keeps doing vicious mockery all the yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> put a little put a weird surreal twist on it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was that was the thing on Keening. Uh, and and the the funeral strippers. So yeah, so you could have instead of the banshee being this malevolent creature, you could have it be the herald. Mm-hmm. And then how do you make that into a game? The the something I thought of was kind of related to 
when we were talking about angels and stopping Gabriel from blowing the horn, you could yeah. have you could make your mission be to stop a banshee from wailing as a way of preventing a death. Oh yeah, because the whale doesn't cause the death, but mythologically speaking, the death has to happen after the wailing. Right. So if you can like short circuit the myth, you can prevent the death. Yeah, which could be uh, a thing to do. Um, you could have something about. Uh, like some sort of mystery would be involved if you have a banshee. You could have a banshee be blamed for things happening, but the ban- mm-hmm. then you find out that the banshee is just a messenger, yeah, and that the real crimes, the real murder or whatever, is is by mortal hands, right? Yeah, there's there's been there's been reports of a wailing banshee murdering people in a town, but it turns out that the banshee was the first person who was murdered, and it's warning everybody else or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, banshee is a. Uh, um, misunderstood messenger. Mm-hmm. I had uh, they're, they're going sort of going back to the descriptions of the banshee. Um, they are sometimes in a gray cloak over or a green dress. Eyes are red from continual weeping. So weeping is a big thing. The crying, the lamenting. The banshee in the book has like looks like she's been up partying for a whole weekend. Which she's is, almost drawn with like running mascara. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, I, I love archetypes, but the whole, the, the white woman thing, uh, there's a whole giant category, even going beyond the, the white woman thing, whole category of monsters that are just like, bitch crazy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. There's, there are hags, there are harpies, there's uh, uh, Medusa, banshees. All of these are just like archetypes of women that are like, uh shrill yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> irrational nasty women yeah nasty. <laughs> a basket of nasty yeah. women um which is like uh i don't know it's you they're so ubiquitous that you can't really like not use them or mm-hmm. address them um and it's not to say that there aren't are uh creatures or archetypes of awful men as well but it just seems so funny that like it's such a consistent through yeah. line um so do your part and and have uh 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 male banshees just like the marvel banshee yeah marvel comics had a male banshee um show up in the first uh couple maybe not the first but like one of the the middle my my x-men history is not the best but Mm -hmm. he comes in a bit later yeah not in the very beginning, but a bit later. But he's a man from Ireland. He's like 35. And he is also like an Interpol agent. And he's got all kinds of crazy... There's no curse. There's no really downside to his whole deal. He doesn't cry. Mm-hmm. He just like screams and is able to fly because he screams. And he blows people's minds with his screams. Screaming, screams. He screams a lot. Um, and he has like nice curly hair. And later on, the character... Uh, the the mantle of Banshee is given to a woman. I forget who exactly, but it's given to a woman. And um, when asked um, about it, the original creator of Banshee, whose name I forget, but it wasn't um, Stan Lee, was like, yeah, I wanted to make it a woman, but Stan Lee decided it should be a man for no reason. <laughs> Just like wasn't like, yeah. no, it's got to be a man. <laughs> Can I play him? No, yeah. you can't. All right, well, I'll just block in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
That'd be great. Uh, Stan Lee is a wailing banshee. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. One pretty soon. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a weird thing to say. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, so yeah. So there. Yeah. Male banshee. Um, there's a. Uh, we're kind of jumping all over the place here, but I want to read something. Oh yeah. There is a a firsthand account of a banshee written by Lady Fanshawe Anne. Sorry, Lady Anne Fanshawe Anne, comma Lady Fanshawe. She was a memoir writer. She wrote, Sometimes the banshee assumes the form of some sweet singing virgin of the family who died young and has been given the mission by the invisible powers to become the harbinger of coming doom to her mortal kindred, where she may be seen at night as a shrouded woman crouched behind the trees, lamenting with veiled face, or flying past in the moonlight, crying bitterly. And the cry of the spirit is mournful beyond all other sounds on earth and betoken certain death to some member of the family whenever it is heard in the silence of the night. That's a memoir. <laughs> That's great. That's I have. This is a thing she remembered and God. wrote down. I have invisible power questions. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's always when I uh, like. I know that's the point of making a vague reference to the mysterious forces in charge is that you leave it at that. Uh-huh. But I always have more questions about like what are the invisible forces? Like the there's right. in Plato's allegory of the cave. This is a real tangent. There's a, there's a part where it talks about the mysterious forces that draw people out of the cave to force them to look at the light, so that they're the enlightened ones that go back and try to explain how they're actually everybody's looking at shadows and everyone else is like you're crazy. Um, I always wanted to know more about the the mysterious forces, mysterious forces, but that's just like that's a plot device. That's not the important part. But I feel I, like yeah. the invisible forces in this case are important. I think that's that's a, a, an attempt to describe. Like human curiosity or human obsessions that drive us to do whatever it is we do that are kind of like, well, there's no one word to summarize everything that makes us do what we do. Yeah. So just invisible forces, which is, I think, a good, yeah, a good line. In this case, invisible forces, invisible powers, I think means that uh, I forget when she lived. I didn't write it down. Um, But I think wanting to not exclude God. Mm-hmm. from the equation but also referencing the origins of the banshee which are pretty explicitly uh irish fairies so acknowledging both yeah. powers by just calling saying invisible powers so you get to like talk about both at the same time mission by either god so that because like when christians came and did their thing a lot of all of the fairies all the stories have to like kind of get changed and mutated to include god right so um, that way, that way to like devout Christians, you can be like, no, no, I meant God, and then to occultists and be like, yeah, no, I meant like, other I stuff. Actually, meant fairies. Yeah. It's like, and then like, to, women love that because we love that shit. And then to capitalists, you can be like, no, I meant the invisible hand. The invisible hand, yeah, <laughs> of the market. Yeah. <laughs> In the case of the professional mourners. Yeah. A mission there. by the hand of the market to become the harbinger of doom. Yeah. Would that be amazing? So the banshees in your game are actually they're still spirits, but they're being paid in like ghost dollars yeah that's great <laughs> see what i was trying to get at before is like maybe they're not like individual spirits maybe they're like messengers that are like part of something larger so like, right yeah they got like a, they a, got a gig in an hour and they have to like do this one real quick yeah <laughs> so there's like this syndicate of like ghosts basically that are are interfering with like mortal you know affairs and it seems like this like this 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 like strange like the beyond the pale eldritch like mysterious thing that's happening to our mortal eyes mm-hmm. but it's it's just kind of like just ghosts going about their business just got trying to make a living just got to hustle got a ghost, you know yeah. ghost got bills to pay <laughs> i think you could do uh you could do the dungeon so to speak 
could be the funeral for somebody where the banshees show up yeah and start screaming and stripping and you're yeah. the whole like the, the the players there might not be like an explicit goal they just have to like survive a night of like the supernatural coming to uh do a funeral for somebody really important like um any any king the death of somebody important is usually accompanied by uh spiritual or fairy activity so why not have like a debaucherous <laughs> Uh, insane fairy funeral yeah. happen, and like maybe maybe the PCs are hired to guard people. Yeah, but like it's gonna happen. We know it's gonna happen. Yeah, we just need to. We need you to help minimize the material damages yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that are going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and then you have like an impromptu fairy party because it yeah. says in the in this book, um, they're not fae, they're undead, yeah. right? Even yeah. though banshees are like very much connected to the fairy world yeah. in, uh, in real world mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'd be a lot of fun to do that. You could have the banshees be like, oh, I shouldn't have cheaped out on those professional mourners because they sent me all these ghosts that are killing everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Supply you gotta, problems. Yeah. Uh, these temps, <laughs> these ghost temps. That's a good reason for someone to try to accumulate wealth as well is to like, I got to pay when I die because I'm a king. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just going to be a bunch of fairies that show up at my funeral, yeah. whether I want them to or not. Yeah. And I need enough money to hire the good spirits so that they don't trash my place. So I got to <laughs> <Yeah>. send, <laughs> I got to send people out to get treasure so that when the fairy party happens at my funeral or like maybe, maybe like a king's son is arranging it for his yeah his father like under the uh like like maybe the dad doesn't want anything to do with it <laughs> my he's parents like, aren't home party he's like oh, i don't give a shit i'm gonna be dead and the son's like look i don't want there's this spirit that has shown up at all my uncle's funerals he just gets really drunk and he tips over the holy water and he like rides a horse around inside yeah. and shits everywhere <laughs> like i can't have this guy show up he's got a red plastic cup uh, he says it's full, like full of coffee, or or no, 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 he has a he has a takeout cup of coffee. I know it's full of vodka. Uh, he's the worst. He takes really small sips from that bottle of Fiji water, <laughs> yeah. and then he took it home with him. He took it home with him when it was three quarters full, <laughs> or one quarter full. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's good. Hey, I wanted to uh, uh, before we go too deep. Uh, I was thinking some of the people that have been talking to us about the podcast also mentioned that they liked how in the first couple we go through, we like go through what we did. Oh yeah. The, the paragraphs about the actual thing, but we have kind of stopped getting into the stat blocks. Yeah. So I kind of want to get into the stat Let's block. Let's look at the stat block. Do you want to throw a light on? You yeah. Throw a light on for a second. I'm going to uh, filibuster while he throws a light on. Um, I'm not, we're going to keep going. So what is going on? Yeah. So, they're ghosts. <laughs> uh, chaotic makes, evil all yeah. the time. They are challenge rating four. So they are, I forget how the math works. Like four level four characters can handle one Banshee encounter maybe. Yeah. Because I think it's like a, le- a challenge level one would be four level one. I think it's like a quarter quarter CR. Anyways, this yeah. Is, it, yeah they're, uh, it's boring math and I forget how it works and I rarely use it except as like a guideline yeah. personally. But in any case, level four, so twice as dangerous as a smothering rug, and... Twice as dangerous as an azure. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which 
Twice as dangerous as an ink egg. Twice as dangerous as a lot it of might things. Might be the most dangerous thing we've, we've covered. Got, well, no, except for the angels. There is angels and, these, yeah. and abeleths. Anyways, um, um, their stat blocks, very little strength, dexterous, average con, smarter, more wise, and more charismatic than you. Yeah. Um, they have a whole bunch of immunities and uh, resistances because they're ghosts. It used to be you had to have a weapon um, that was either magical or ethereal. So it existed on both planes at once. Yeah. And that's kind of, those rules are some buried somewhere else. Here, you just have a bunch of resistances, so they're very hard to kill. They have decent hit points. They have an ability that lets them detect life within five miles, which means anywhere in their range, they can tell where you are. Yeah. Which makes it, um, uh, you kind of have to figure out why a Banshee would wait to confront somebody if they're in their range. Or maybe you could have the Banshee like following people from a, from a bit of a distance, and you can yeah. see them, but they're not coming up to you mm-hmm. just yet, but they're like got their eye on you and if you go near their special stuff or the like exact spot that they died then they freak out or something yeah but they could follow you i think would be cool they would wait for the moment because i mean it depending on how you're doing the banshees but if you're playing with a weird like vanity thing they would wait for the moment like where it would be the most dramatic and oh yeah like the the the, the, the moment they're envisioning their heads where they wail and do their whole thing you know right they would they would wait for the lighting to be right. That would be really funny because you could play with um, giving uh, players information about the what they're going to face early on. So if you tell them or if they find out that the banshee is going to wait for the most dramatic moment to uh, attack them, <laughs> then what you'll have is a bunch of uh, characters trying to be as boring as possible <laughs> while like tiptoeing through a place and like. Uh, keep their heart rate down do all these weird things to make them like just think about baseball <laughs> or whatever but you have a bard in the party who's 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 going way too far at being as boring as possible and then goes full circle and oh, then yeah. winds up being so unremarkable as yeah, to yeah. in and of itself gets, become gets remarkable. like too uh, ironic yeah. i'm so bored yeah and then just gets uh sing- singled out and attacked Maybe, like yeah like a selective uh, like the because it's not a rational actor, it's not it's not a predator or a, a animal defending its space. Yeah, it's got ghost rules, and ghost rules are always different than other things. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't just run up to you and attack you. So yeah, you could have yeah. if the bard slips up, you could have the bard and only the bard singled out and attacked. Yeah, which would be which would be great. Or if you're hunting the banshee, mm-hmm. set up a situation. Oh, where high drama happens. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you could hire <laughs> you could hire really <laughs> shitty actors who need the money to like do improv in the middle (laughs) 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 perform perform a terrible play because it wouldn't be rich you wouldn't get a rich uh actor to go do it yeah no unless they wanted like the role of a lifetime and have a scripted part where like we just need someone to do the lead yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's really good yeah have high drama oh yeah 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 try to attract the banshee by offering a role to mm-hmm. play that's amazing mm-hmm. um, um incorporeal 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 movement i can read half of the time <laughs> the banshee can move through um other creatures and objects as if they were difficult terrain so it's kind of got to struggle through it and if it ends its turn in in something then it takes a fair amount of damage yeah. uh which i don't i know why that rule is there and I, I don't agree with it in principle, but it makes sense because when you're playing a, uh, this as a tactical game with miniatures yeah. and stuff, and you're fighting a banshee, and in fifth edition you can move and attack or attack and then move whatever you want, 
you could have the banshee attack and then run away into a wall and end its turn in a wall and then no one can touch it yeah so if you wanted to be a dick dm and play the banshees like tactically that's all you would do and you'd murder everyone in the in the world that's a <laughs> remember an earlier episodes um chris and listeners i was i think of the angel one i was talking about the scp foundation yes there's a quite famous scp i can't remember its number but um, if you look at like the I'm heritage really collection fan, of them, well, there's like a thousand, <laughs> there's like three thousand of them. I am fucking with you. <laughs> and uh, and its thing is, it's like the boogeyman, but it can travel through solid surfaces. Like mm-hmm. it can always just like phase through walls, and it attacks you, and it and it looks like a like a like a like a sort of rotting corpse of an old man kind of thing, and it comes out of the wall, any wall, and then pulls you into the wall, and when it pulls you into the wall, it pulls you into its pocket dimension, where it it tortures you for a while and then eats you mm-hmm. um uh it just makes you nervous about walls right but its <laughs> thing is like uh so you're the government agency has to contain this creature that can just always move through walls whenever it wants and like just straight up <coughs> excuse me hides in walls and waits for its moment to like grab the SWAT team you sent after it right and then pulls it into a pocket dimension and just so they had to like do this thing where it, it turns out it has a slightly harder time phasing through sand. And so it has to have walls made of like constantly shifting sand or something like that. There was something about the walls that had to be like designed in a way right. to make it harder to do. But the problem, that's one of the most dangerous and deadly SCPs that can yeah, kill walls. everybody all the time. Just wall-based tactics. Because it can always just like go inside of a solid piece of granite and then leap out for a second and then go back inside. Right. Yeah. So a banshee, that's that's probably yeah. Why that's they like do more. That. That's yeah. If you wanted to, you could be more. You could be a, a one person, one banshee SWAT team. Yeah. If you, if you really hated banshee your players, you could just have them. You know. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. It, it kind of. Yeah. So I I kind of resent this rule because it it's like what like that's what it's trying to prevent. I think. Or let's it's trying come to up make with it lore to justify it. But let's what? what? Yeah. Let's. Well, we should come up with lore to justify it. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why do they? take damage if they end their turn um in a wall uh because then no one can see them and it it hurts their their pride their vain pride they need to be looked at um so if they spend too much time in a wall or in a place unseen or that doesn't necessarily hold up if i guess if they're in a wall they're guaranteed not to be seen which wigs them out yeah even if they are in their range and no one's around to see them but they could be standing there they could Mm -hmm. be like well maybe someone's looking at me yeah, maybe someone's maybe someone's scrust. Surely someone is scrying to look at me, even if no one's here. Yeah, but even in a wall, no one can see you, so it 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 hurts mm. their existential yeah. hit points. I mean, it, and if banshees are 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 created by some kind of like strange law that affects elves, like it says here, um, then you could have uh, you know like other features of that law. If there are just like rules of the universe that say like, Hey, like, and this is weird, ironic twist thing in, in like a weird, like messed up <laughs> idea of, 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 uh, of morality and, mm-hmm. and, and, and irony here, but it's like, Oh, look, you're so beautiful, but you, you used it for evil instead of good. According to me, the, the one who made the rules in the universe, I've also made the rule that you can't <laughs> stay inside of a solid object for too long. <laughs> I'm not going to let it happen. So you could just be like, you know, word of God, divine, sort mm-hmm. of like these are the undead rules. But I don't know. I feel like it's better if there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's some, like you you could come across an NPC who's a wizard who's like, this is why. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, who's the deity of the elves usually? Cor- at least the, the D&D 
standard version, Corollian. I don't know. Mm. We don't, don't have look the right it book in front of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a deity who's uh, like the deity of elves. And maybe either the Banshee curse is like a mythical, mythio biological curse. Yeah. Or it's like, I'm the god and this is how I want it. I want morals to be enforced by transformation. And also, I hate being trapped in walls because I'm a chaotic, freedom loving god. Right. And if you are stuck in something, or contained in something, I hate you, and I'm going to take away uh, 1d10 force damage from you. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Uh, the other sort of thing, uh-huh. that you, the other way you could go down, is you could just have that be, even though it's ghosts that can travel through different planes of existence, those are really just dimensions. And you could have it just be, like, this is just part of the physics of the world that you live in, is that the the spiritual matter that inhabits both the material realm and the the astral plane um that it, when it when it phases into an object that like damages the 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 like structure of it somehow mm-hmm. like you have uh, this happens in fiction where there are like teleporters it's like careful not to teleport into you know you could have a transporter in star trek and then oh they phased halfway into a wall or something like right. this is a trope in in science fiction where like if you teleport or something, or you can step through things, and you you don't step through completely, yeah. and you you end up being hurt by a solid object. You, you could have your not, yeah, you could have your ass on the wrong. Yeah, way. so they're not entirely physical. They're like sort of like very very loosely physical because they can move things around and push them a little bit. They're just not very good at it. Right. So with the kind of loose tenuous grasp they have on physicality, that is a, a, a they they don't immediately like die when they're yeah. inside of a wall the way that you would. Your molecules would just uh, fall apart, but they. The, There's like too much friction between their electrons and the the matter in the wall. It's just like like they they have trouble coexisting in the same space. So there's like a an energy drain, like a yeah. it blows off the. And then if you do yeah. like an animistic sort of thing, there could be like maybe the wall has its own kind of spiritual energy that oh is causing this damage, <laughs> right? Or yeah, but like it's the actual the, the terrain itself has, has yeah, some kind yeah. of like imbued sort of magical essence, and that is what's causing the damage because the wall is like I occupy this space and you can't occupy this space. I am a wall. Yeah, that that would be a great um, out of the fire and in the frying pan situation for player characters <laughs> yeah. to be like chased by a banshee. And dealing with this banshee, and then the banshee is murdered by the walls, and the walls are like, "None shall leave yeah. the wall zone." Yeah. Well, that's. <laughs> I think that's that's almost my favorite explanation. Is the objects are are uh, they they they're fine being stationary inanimate objects. Their one thing is they want to be the only thing that occupies the space they occupy. Right. Right. And that's walls, their defense against walls it. Walls are so willful. Solid objects are so willful that they hate having. Uh, ghosts creatures in different planes move past them or, yeah. or move inside them i would that's the, that's pretty rad that's my favorite one. <laughs> i'm gonna i'm using that one we're sticking with that <laughs> that's good stuff if you want to look at it purely tactically though mm-hmm. if you're doing that kind of thing uh you could take this idea put it on a different monster and then it works where it's like a tactical decision you have to make yeah where it's like an assassin who knows that they can merge into a wall and avoid getting damaged but you're gonna you're going to get some damage but you can rely on the amount and you can account for it you can calculate it in your overall risk versus reward yeah and uh and make that the thing that the players have to deal with which is this creature. And then it creates an interesting game because you, the dungeon master are still engaged in making tactical decisions 
um, but you still get to do this almost unbeatable tactic against yeah. the players until they figure out a way of getting around it. Totally. But it it doesn't make it impossible because there's a slow uh, hit point drain that's mm-hmm. going to happen. It's kind of like how in Civilization Five, oh, if Jesus. you play as Carthage, um, who are the, that's the home city of Hannibal, the the general who led elephants over the Alps to go uh, deal with, to go sack Rome. Mm-hmm. It didn't end too well, but he was a badass. About doing doing that, anyways. I mean, it's probably those poor elephants. But it, uh, when you play as as Carthage in that game, after you get a great general, i.e., Hannibal, um, your military units can move over mountains, and you're the only one who can do that, mm-hmm. ex- except for some other ones. But they take damage if they end their turn on the mountain. So it gives you the ability to be like, I can move my guys over the mountain, but like, if it's too big of a mountain range, like, do I really? Am I gonna be like for sure dead if I don't go over the mountain, or just right. be kind of hurt if I do go over the mountain? Is it going to be worth it? And so that's the kind of thing that you get to do. Yes. <laughs> if you want Risk to take and goats, that's why. Yeah. Ghosts. The actions it can perform include the corrupting touch. So it touches you and it hurts you with necrotic damage uh, for a decent amount. But that's not why we're here. That's not what the Banshee's about. It has a horrifying visage, which gets closer to the point. It uh, You have to make a wisdom save or you what? You get frightened, which means uh, you have to run away from the source of the frightening as much as far as possible for like a whole turn yeah. or until the spell is broken. Yeah, I think you can't willingly move towards it. And then you have like disadvantage if you're attacking it, which is... I think that's right, how it works, right? right? You, something like that. Yeah. You have to get away from it, or if you can't get away from it, you have uh, penalties to dealing with it yeah. somehow until the spell, until its effect ends on you. Yeah. Um, Imagine someone swinging something at a spider without wanting to look at the spider that they're swinging it at. They're not going to hit it. <laughs> that's what I'm picturing exactly. when somebody's yeah, trying to exactly fight something it. they're afraid of, right? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. Um, if you get over the spell, if you shrug the spell off in a subsequent turn, or if you save right away, then it can't use this against you for 24 hours. So like it's one shot to make you uh, run away. And it also has the whale. Once a day, it forces a save, constitution saving throw. And if mm-hmm. you fail, you, you are reduced to zero hit points. And if you save, you take um, a kind of a relatively small amount of damage. But you might go to zero. So the, the horrifying visage and the whale... Both combined to make the Banshee, I think, a sort of unpredictable challenge because it could either completely destroy a party in one yeah. in like two turns yeah. or one turn, or it might not have any effect. Yeah. If everyone makes their save and they are not frightened and only take 3d6 damage, most of them are probably going to be okay. And then the Banshee, because it can't do a whale anymore and it can't affect anyone with the horrifying visage, all it can do is touch them. So it should, like, depending on the logic of your Banshee, it might, like, just leave after it's, like, (laughs) done its thing. Or it might stay, but, like, I think it's kind of silly to have uh, something like this just hang around and try to, like, touch people to death (laughs) to the bitter end. Yeah. Um, So I don't know how you want to, how you do that. I would, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like the once a day thing, which like I, uh, I can see why you don't want to just wailing nonstop because yeah. then everyone would die um, more assuredly. But there's got to be some like I think you should tie it more to what we were saying earlier. The idea of like make a trigger for it. Yeah. Make it attracted. Make it only wail in a very dramatic situation or make it only wail if you are in possession of something it values. Yeah. Or some yeah. Uh, magical object. 
uh, or something you're doing something to make it wail at you i think is more interesting um maybe like uh some of the treasure associated with it because it's a hoarder of beauty maybe the treasure only appears if the banshee also appears so your mission is to like get in get the treasure get out maybe not even fight the banshee but like withstand it right and you have to get information on it maybe you're not never told that it's a banshee it will wail at you you're just told there's like a ghost and it kills you instantly and then other people talk about the noise it makes and then like you kind of piece it together because we're all savvy media consumers yeah like oh it's a banshee it wails at you and you die even though it's not what really a banshee is they wail before you die but they can still cause your death um so those are all the actions um unless uh i have some examples of of banshees in history i know we're at like an hour five but like i kind of want to talk that's fine yeah let's do it (laughs) eat sorry reddit (laughs) (laughs) uh uh cut this part out while i look through my stupid word word document my problem is i copy and paste things and then i also write things explicitly for me to like read verbatim but there's no i don't know what the difference is when i glance at it so i don't know what i'm i don't know what i'm doing mm. what i do know is that there's a creature called the langseer which is a type of vampire which is the ghost of a woman who died while pregnant or giving birth this is a Mala- uh, malaysian uh mythological creature okay malaysia malaysian um myth is full of awful awful creatures yeah that look insane and we're probably over the course of this book there's going to be like malaysian um analogs or uh source material yeah or at least things to talk about it's gonna be a lot i think but this one so it's a type of vampire but it has a lot in common with uh the banshee um it takes the form of a beautiful woman with long black hair reaches her ankles she may also take the form of a floating woman's head from which entrails and a spinal column hang. Pretty pretty good. Langseers yeah. have also been described as having incredibly long nails, which I think is supposed to be associated with great beauty in uh, the culture it comes from. Mm-hmm. And the hands extending down to the feet, wears green robes, preys on humans, preferring the blood of newborn male children, but also consuming newborn female children. Okay. <laughs> this is like a funny, like... <laughs> thing to say prefers men but you know it's whatever <laughs> gotta eat there was a english anthropologist who recorded a bunch of uh malaysian myths in a book called melee magic he wrote the original Langsir, whose embodiment is supposed to be a kind of night owl so it's kind of actually related to a harpy but it has overlap with banshee so including it here i kind of had to like filter all of the stories because uh a lot of these types of creatures have a lot there's like a lot of overlap between hags and banshees and and medusas and and medusas and witches and nymphs and like all these things yeah so i'm trying to keep it kind of focused but i wanted to read this one uh uh uh, uh, dazzling beauty died from shock of hearing that her child was stillborn no that's a different thing i'm the worst um wait no this is it sorry i'm the worst get this whole thing out the original Langsir, whose embodiment is supposed to be a kind of night owl, is described as being a woman of dazzling beauty who died from the shock of hearing that her child was stillborn and had taken the shape of the Langsir. On hearing this terrible news, she clapped her hands and without further warning, flew whinnying away to a tree upon which she perched. So whinnying. <laughs> Great noise. Yeah. She may be known by her robe of green, by her tapering nails of extraordinary length, 
and by the long jet-black tresses which she allows to fall down to her ankles. Only, alas, for the truth must be told, in order to conceal the hole in the back of her neck, through which she sucks the blood of children. <laughs> so her hair just hides a hole in the back of her neck where she sucks the blood of children. From the back of her neck? The back of her neck. Wow. These vampire-like proclivities of hers may however be successfully combated if the right means are adopted for if you are able to catch her cut short her nails and luxuriate tresses so do her hair and stuff them into the <laughs> hole in her neck she will become tame and indistinguishable from an ordinary woman remaining so for years cases have been known indeed in which she has become a wife and a mother until she was allowed to dance at the village merrymaking when she at once reverted to her ghostly form and flew off in the dark and gloomy forest from when she came. That sounds like a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> that should be its own. Right. That is kind of its here. own thing. Yeah. Um, and there's, uh, there's a great... I'm going to post on the Instagram. There was a story in the Malaysian Digest, a website, Malaysian Digest in 2012... Rumors about the presence of a supernatural entity called Langsira, which had caused fear among people in several villages, um, has spread in other nearby places and became a hot conversation topic in the coffee shops among villagers. <laughs> Some of the villagers claimed that they had encountered with what they described as a long-haired banshee flying and making creepy wailing noises that defies logical understanding. A spiritual shaman, Ramli Yusuf, 41, claimed to have seized four Langsiras after the residents report sightings of the supernatural creature recently. He said that two were caught in Kampong Gor Pasir, Gong Tingi, and Gong Laplang. The Langsir, quote, sorry, the, quote, the Langsir can be identified by its incredible long nails, green robes, and long hair with hands extending down to her ankles and height up to waist of a human being, he said. That fits the description, fits the bill. <laughs> he also said that he caught the Langsir with the help of a friend in less than 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Verses of the Quran were also recited in order to catch the creature. The spirits are currently bound together in a special place before being de deported to its native origin 40 days uh, from the date of capture, he said, when met at his house in Kampong Gong Manak near here today. Meanwhile, a local religious officer, whatever that means, Ahmad Talha Ab Rahman, acknowledged the existence of the spirit, which can be seen in various different forms but urge the public not to be overly obsessed and believe that it wields power because it can result in sacrilege <laughs> well that is a to great me, that seems like a way to invite like a that's like a streisand effect kind of thing where where like if you say don't do don't the, talk about don't, it yeah don't think about a pink elephant and it's like that's all i can think about exactly it's yeah. there's so much to unpack with this little yeah. this little story a friend of mine less than <laughs> 10, minutes. 10 minutes that's this is a character that i want to play the religious officer is also amazing yeah yes yes there are spirits but let's keep reading the quran yeah <laughs> just the, the ghost catcher they deported it to its native origin. they will in yeah. on the 40th day after they capture it right because that's probably important for some reason so where do they send it i don't know they're yeah. not going to tell you. That's yeah, their job. That's right? true. Yeah. That's well, a that we trade were secret. we're overly obsessing about it right now. Exactly. <laughs> we're giving yeah, it this, power. Yeah. Don't be too obsessed. Because yeah. it will result in sacrilege. Um, there's an interesting thing about the Quran in that in that little news story. It has parallels in the Irish uh, folk tales mm -hmm. about fairies and banshee. Often, uh, church bells will be used as a not a weapon but it, it dispels fairy magic and it drives yeah. fairies away right which was a later addition to um the the local lore because the 
the deal was this new establishment religion is going to drive away the ignorance and the superstitions right. of the old ways. But it's kind of funny because the, uh, by showing up in the stories, they're admitting that they can't like stamp them out. Right. Yeah. They're like they're, they're flexing their muscle, but they're actually revealing that they can't get these creatures out of people's heads. They're doing exactly what this religious officer says not to do, which is like, He's acknowledging them, but telling people not to think about them too much, which is impossible. Yeah, that's not <laughs> how it works. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can use that. You can use um, uh, make deities, different religious powers, try to drive a banshee away with various degrees of success. Yeah, and make the, you can, I don't know, I, I feel like you can draw from other, because the banshee as it is in this book is very uh, Western mythology sort of mm-hmm. thing, but yeah. like you can draw from other mythologies in the, the I think particularly interestingly in like the physical description of the mm-hmm. banshee like you could i like the idea of like having this weird maybe this scream the banshee's wail comes from this like strange gaping hole in its head that it in reveals, the back of its neck right in the back of its neck or something or yeah. it's like body becomes covered in mouths then when it w- does the wail and so it sounds like a lot of people screaming instead of one person screaming just because it's yeah if you wanted more to go more and, more body horror yeah and less uh, uh, dramatic, uh, not dramatic, like less romantic mystery. Yeah, you could you could have. It depends it on the kind of setting sound. you're using, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the the white woman idea, the banshee thing comes from uh, fairy mounds in Ireland and like dreary English countryside. Yeah, lots of mist. Whereas Malaysia, very different landscape and feel to things. It's going to be like there's a reason the horror looks different. Yeah. as well and like long black hair instead of like whiteness obviously there's like it's going to be different depending on where you are mm-hmm. the the stories you tell about crazy ass women <laughs> what the banshees are um uh i had a couple other i don't want to spend too long but there's like there's a lot of stuff i want to talk about uh lengths here we did that a lot of these things I don't know how to pronounce because it's in Gaelic. Um, the seer, I think, or K K K Herrero K Herrereth. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm so depressed that I don't know how to say it. Yeah, I may as well not say it. Uh, it's like I was mist. I was so excited when I figured out it was Shillelagh. I was like, I yeah, those awesome. Shillelagh yeah. and Kaylee are the only Gaelic words I know. Yeah. Sersha, that's a name. Sersha? It's not spelled that way. Right. Nisha and uh, Siobhan yeah. are names that I know, but... Uh, this one, though. These ones I, I don't, don't know. know. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, the translation is roughly um, uh, Hag of the Mist. Um, it is from Welsh mythology. It makes a noise that is said to be doleful and disagreeable, like the groans and sighs of someone deathly ill. And to sound three times, it grows weaker and fainter each time as a threefold warning before someone expires. Um, it is said to be heard before a shipwreck, specifically, and is accompanied mm. by a corpse light. Ooh. So a corpse light is like uh, what people talk about, I think, when they say swamp gas. Yeah. It's a, it's a light that appears under certain chemical circumstances. Yeah. A will-o'-wisp. In bogs. A will-o'-wisp. Yeah. yeah. There is another one, the legend of uh oh no, this is this is still the 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 one I couldn't pronounce, Hag of the Mist. It is a hideously ugly woman. A Welsh saying to describe a woman without good looks goes, She is as ugly as the hag of the mist. I don't know if that's real or not. I've never 
I don't know if you'll ever hear anyone saying that. Um, but it, if you have a banshee in your world, make people have insults based on it. Um, often seen at a crossroad or a stream when the mist rises. There is Ibel, I think is the pronunciation. She's queen of the fairies in North Munster, which is a province in Ireland. She had a magic harp that if you heard it played, either caused you to die soon after or was simply a sign that you would die soon. She fell in love with a young warrior of Munster and asked him not to fight in a huge battle for the king of Ireland's sons. He refused because he loves war because he's a man. Uh, So she gave him a druid covering which meant she cast greater invisibility on him so he could fight while invisible. Nice. But after a while, he shook it off because he didn't want to be a coward, more or less, and he died in the battle. <laughs> uh, after that, Ibel gave the harp to some kid in a school. This is, this is me reading a big thing and then yeah. trying to get the story <clears throat> straight. She gave it to a kid in a school who ended up playing the harp for the King of Ireland's sons, the same people that the the man she fell in love with fought for and played the harp for them. And then they like, they died. And I don't know if the kid was like uh, a willing participant or if he knew right. what the harp was, but he was like being educated and he's like, Oh, I'll play this harp really well. And then he killed like the sons of the King of Ireland <laughs> as revenge. Uh, so here we have a particular Banshee getting, our indirect revenge it was really the man's fault <laughs> i think but she took took it out on the, the people behind the war which is like a pretty political message right yeah there is Kleena, a queen of the banshees in uh, tuatha de danan she is from south munster in some irish myths Kleena is a goddess of love and beauty and the patron of county cork so a patron so in ireland um banshees are like pat- like they're they're like your house ghost oh great there's a certain uh there's like a weird thing i read about like pride that they have like banshees are irish spirits yeah and you have to be irish to have a banshee so right. it's like a sign of pride to like have your particular banshee and that's why a bunch of them have names because it's like we're from south munster we've got Kleena, the goddess yeah. of love but she's also a banshee that screams when people are gonna die which is kind of something you could play with in a game too. Like every town has like a banshee for for sure. For real. yeah, <laughs> yeah, that wails when people die. But like, just don't just stay thirty feet away. Yeah, stay like keep your distance. Yeah, like like they have yeah they have yeah. like a, a, a like a manual to deal with the banshee. Yeah, open in the case of banshee. Oh, that's just a little cleaner. Don't you worry. Well, she's got treasure. Like I guess if you want to go for it, be my guest. Um. I feel like that'd be against the town laws, though. Right, which... If they, if they mo- took pride yeah. in their banshee, there's like, no, no, that's hers. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't... So you could... There'd be, like, great riches there, but A, I've got to fight a banshee, and, like, B, you... Do it secretly. Yeah, do it secretly, or, or else, like, raise the ire of, like, the town that's, also. That's, yeah, that's an interesting take, is, like, usually people play monsters as plaguing villages, but in yeah. this case, they're, like, it's their banshee. Yeah. And she's got treasure, but it's, like, that's her treasure. Yeah, we're not going to take it. And then you have to decide whether you want to mess with that town enough mm-hmm. that's pretty cool thanks Kleena. she also is said to have three brightly colored birds who eat apples from an otherworldly tree and whose sweet song heals the sick all of that is like has you got to use all of that that's, that's great. great that's fantastic she leaves the otherworldly island of the land of promise tier time gear i think i'm totally wrong no one correct me <laughs> it's not going to be fun for you or me uh, she leaves this place to be with her mortal lover but is taken by a wave as she sleeps due to the music played by a minstrel. 
from a harbor in County Cork. So a minstrel hanging out in a harbor played a song that yeah. murdered a, a banshee for some, like by accident <laughs> or maybe on purpose. This sounds like a D&D game that went wrong. It does. Something. Yeah. And then now uh, the tide there is known as uh, clean as waves or clean as wave. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. She also has a rivalry with Ibel. Oh, the, the, the banshee that, because it's South Munster and North Munster, right? So, yeah. like, warring banshees. Tina said to be a rival. <laughs> banshee on banshee violence. Banshee on banshee action. <laughs> Let's make these shrill women uh, have a mud wrestling fight. <laughs> While they're stripping at a funeral. Uh, so, they, they uh, Kleena cast a spell that turned Eibel into a white cat at one point. <laughs> Isn't that, that's great. Uh, the Blarney Stone has some Banshee history. Oh, The most cool. traditional story of the famous Blarney Stone involves uh, Kleena, uh, Cormac, Ladier, McCarthy, not the uh, wonderfully mysterious and powerful author, American <laughs> author, an Irish person, was the builder of Blarney Castle, being involved in a lawsuit, appealed to Kleena for her assistance. So this is another great use for Banshees yeah. as for legal uh, help. She told him to kiss the first stone he found in the morning on his way to court, and he did so with the result that he pleaded his case with great eloquence and won. Thus, the Blarney Stone is said to impart the ability to deceive without offending. He then incorporated it into the parapet of the castle. Um, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. A stone that you touch and then lets you lie without offending people. Yeah. Um, that's a my, powerful object. My uh, uh, aunt and uncle have been to the Blarney Stone. Yeah, I think my yeah. mom has as yeah. well. They, they kiss it. I knew. I always knew you kissed the Blarney Stone. I don't know why. Yeah, I didn't know thing. why. I didn't know that it gave you... Now you do it so you can lie. <laughs> yeah, it gives, gives you advantage on deception. Yeah. Checks. I also like uh, the Banshee. You can still have the Banshee be like a wailing mascara dripping mess, but also have them approachable for help in yeah. uh, legal disputes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's another one. Um, I forget the exact story. I didn't write it down. It's really long, but it's like... A legal case where a man is uh, suing a woman for both being too promiscuous and not helping him take care of his children by other women. So he's like doing a double standard uh, thing. And the like the Banshee Queen um, makes a rule that all men have to marry women before they turn 30 or something. Right. To like tie them down or something. It was like a it was like a satirical story, but that used banshees as like the the judge of marital problems <laughs> and solving the problem of Ireland's men. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot. There's room for comedy as well if you look it up. Um, going to Mexico and South America, there's a story, and I read. I couldn't. There's no specific connection, but. I was reading that there might be um, German Germanic origins to the story because lots of German people have moved to Mexico over the years. There is the uh, La Llorona or La Iorona. Several versions exist. The basic story tells of a beautiful woman who left her child in a river as a means of revenge towards her husband who left her for a younger woman. So again, we have the theme of betrayal. Right. And then a sin committed. She drowns herself in the river when she realizes her children are dead. So kind of victim blaming but also yeah. like like making it her her fault you shouldn't kill your kid and then get upset about it at the gates of heaven she is challenged over the whereabouts of her children and is not permitted to enter the afterlife until she has found them but they're dead yeah so she's forced to wander the earth for all eternity searching in vain for her drowned offspring she constantly weeps 
she's caught between the living world and the spirit world. So she just walks around weeping around yeah. rivers and stuff. So more lamentations. Mexican parents often use the story to prevent children from wandering out at night. In some versions, uh, they will kidnap wandering children who resemble her missing children. She asks them for forgiveness, then kills the children to take the place of her own. So this is a common theme in a lot of uh, female uh, creatures, crypto creatures. Yeah. Um, she cries, oh, my children, all the time. Uh, there's also possibilities that she's connected to uh, La Malinche, the woman who served as Cortez's interpreter and mistress who bore him children. Cortez, the nasty conquistador, who some say uh, was betrayed by the Spanish conquistadors. In one folk story, she became a uh, Cortez's mistress and bore him a child only to be abandoned so that he could marry a Spanish lady. And then she was driven to acts of vengeance. You could have it be a political thing, too. You could have... Uh, an invading colonial power, yeah, taking all the women, and then have the vengeance of the women be like a supernatural force almost. Uh, and then you get yeah. the then the adventure, the the satisfaction of going and you know writing those wrongs, yeah, writing those way wrongs that you can't do in real life, going and and killing the your Cortez stand in with the sword, right? What yeah. and that what a great villain yeah. to use, Cortez. Man. Yeah, because you can just find really despicable people from history, and then base your fictional villains on those people. If you want your, if you want to really hate your villains, you yeah, know? yeah. Well, I have more, but I think those are all the important things. Um, I, I risk just kind of going over things I already said. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, geographically, that brings us to just one last thing that mm-hmm. I wanted to add. Um, Chris, have you ever heard of the Aztec death, death whistle? I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually have. Uh, you can go on YouTube. Um, you, you should talk about it. I know less about it. Yeah. I only know a little bit about it. Um, but uh, supposedly these were used en masse um, uh, by um, Aztec warriors when they were about to charge um, to invoke fear and trembling in the people they're about to kill and presumably capture and sacrifice a number of them. Uh, but uh, the idea was this whistle was it was it, it, it was just to create as much fear as possible when they when they were attacking you to kind of freeze you in your tracks and uh, as as a show of power. But it is legitimately one of the most bone chilling sounds. Um, even one individual whistle. There's lots of videos on YouTube that you can look up. But if you imagine thousands of these coming over a hill or like coming out of like uh, some cover coming down a hill, coming at you, somehow. coming at you. Yeah, I've listened to one a video where it layers because there's only one recording of an individual whistle, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, but they layered it like a hundred times. So you could actually yeah. hear what a hundred of them sounded more yeah. or less. Not exactly. But so if you want to be a really crafty DM, maybe we'll include it. Yeah, the end of the podcast. maybe we could do that. But if you want to be a really crafty DM, I was thinking if you have a banshee do its wail, play a sound effect, hit 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 them, hit your players with a sound effect that they're not expecting. Yeah, yeah. You could do worse than that one, or you could look up professional. You can look up professional mourners yeah. doing their keening, um, both in Southeast Asia and in uh, the Isles. You can get a variety and just play them because they sound really weird. Because mm-hmm. you know they're not real. There's someone faking it. But some of them sound real, but they also sound wrong to my ear, anyways. It's like the uncanny valley. So yeah, it's of an uncanny valley. Crying. It's an audio uncanny valley. Yeah, of people you know are faking it, but are like, like professionals. I think we've covered all of the ways you can do a banshee. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there's more. Hit us up on email. Tell us what we did wrong. Tell me how to pronounce. Teach me Gaelic. I was kidding about not correcting me. Uh, go for it. I'll try my best. I. I 
by doing this podcast, I've doomed myself to trying to pronounce words that I don't know. Uh, I don't want to spread ignorance, but I got lots. Hit us up, monstermanualmash at gmail.com. You can check out our Instagram. I'm going to post pictures of the lamp here that was captured in a jar. There's, <laughs> there's some photos of that I'm going to show you. Uh, maybe a few pictures of the Banshee in the book and abroad. And uh, review us. Spread the word. Next week we are doing what? Uh, we got a classic next week. It's the Basilisk. Basilisk? Yeah, the Basilisk. Yes. Yeah. That'll be good. It's always good. Thanks for sticking with us for an uh, unexpectedly little bit longer go, but we I can't promise we won't do it again. We're excited. We get excited. Goodbye. <laughs>